going to just speak for a few minutes this morning um, on the topic of, of today. Um, we know going down through history that a lot of people have uh, tried their best to predict the future. It's been said that uh, the, the first thing about predicting the future is knowing that you can't predict the future. But uh, there have been some people who've made some comments about the future that didn't quite turn out maybe as they had expected. For example, back in 1872, a man by the name of Pierre Pachette, he was the author of Philosophy of Toulouse in France, and he said this, he said, Louis Pasteur's theory of germs is ridiculous fiction. And of course, Pasteur is the one who uh, invented... Um, Penicillin. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, in uh, 1883, Lord William Kelvin, a mathematical physicist and engineer, predicted that X-rays will prove to be a hoax. This one's interesting. 1899, Charles H. Duell, commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents, said, everything that can be invented has been invented. That was in 1899. I think you missed that one a bit. In 1959, W.C. Hooper of the National Cancer Institute said, if excessive smoking actually plays a role in the production of lung cancer, it seems to be a minor one. And we know today that uh, smoking contributes to 80% of lung cancer deaths in women and 90% in men. So he uh, kind of missed the mark on that a little bit. Um, as recently as 1969, William Stewart, the Surgeon General of the United States, predicted we can close the book on infectious diseases. Even Albert Einstein got the future wrong. Back in 1932, he said, there is not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. It would mean that the atom would have to be shattered at will. So those were a few prognosticators that kind of missed the mark, but now that we move into a new year, uh, there is a new list of predictions. I read through a few of them. I'll just give you a few. Uh, climatologists say in 2018 it will be the hottest year on record, again, <laughs> for those of you who follow the weather. Uh, there was a news columnist by the name of Barnaby Phillips who expects that Vladimir Putin will be re-elected in Russia this year. <laughs> That's a safe bet. <laughs> Anyone who knows Russian politics, odds are he's in again. Uh, Bible students predict that 2018-19 could be a very significant year for Bible prophecy in the Middle East because we are moving into the 70th year since Israel's independence back in 1948-49. That's something to keep our eyes on, and I think that's very, uh, very likely to be a significant event. And in the sports world, some have predicted that the New England Patriots will face off against the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl 52, and the Patriots will win their 10th championship, the sixth under Tom Brady. And for those who are interested, on February 4th, we do have our Super Bowl party, which we basically call the Patriots Party, for those uh, of us who are Patriots fans. But I do suspect there may be the possibility that the uh, Eagles might get in this year. What do you say, Roger? There you go. That's a possibility. I'm kind of rooting for them as well. Well, I have no idea if any of these things are going to come to pass. But I do know this about the future, is that it comes one day at a time. It's just one day at a time. And the safest way to prepare for tomorrow is to be right with God today. That's a simple thought I want to drive home this morning. The safest bet about tomorrow is making sure that you're right with God today. There's a story that probably many of us are familiar with in 1 Chronicles 14. It's a story when David had become just recently crowned as king of Israel, 
And his first obstacle was facing, once again, one of their old nemesis, the Philistines. We read in 1 Chronicles 14 that they had heard of uh, David's coronation. He was anointed king. And so the Philistines decided, we're going to invade, and we are going to capture David and, uh, and whatever plans they had from there. David heard about that, and so he marches out to meet them. Now, they had already conducted a raid, the Bible says, in the Valley of Rephaim. So David turns to God in verse 10, and he asks this. He says, Lord... Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And then God responds to David and says, Yes, attack them and I will give you the victory. So David does exactly what God had said and David defeats them in that initial battle. Now the Philistines fled. They regrouped. They returned to the valley a little bit later and they started plundering again. So David does something interesting. He turns to God again, but this time he discovers that the Lord had changed his strategy. Verse 14, the Lord says, Don't attack them from here, but go around and get ready to attack them from the other side, near the balsam trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the treetops, then attack, because I will be marching ahead of you to defeat the Philistine army. So once again, David does exactly as God instructs, and this time he wins a decisive battle against the Philistines. He drives them back some 20 miles. And the Bible says that David's fame spread everywhere and the Lord made every nation afraid of him. Here's my point. When you read the story, what you see is that David chose to turn to God to consult him each time he had a decision to make. Now this is very important. David is facing the same enemy. He's facing the same army. He's facing them on the same day, and what does he do? In, instead of just presuming to do the same thing he did before, he turns to God again. He doesn't presume just because everything looks familiar to take things into his own hand and to do it the same way. And because he relies on God's input in each situation, the Bible says, God does something not only in giving him victory, but God does something in David's heart. God does something in David's reputation to the nations around. And God enlarges David's capacity for success and for influence. You know, we talk a lot in church circles about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And for a lot of people, they, what they mean by that is, well, I pray to sinner's prayer and I'm kind of conscious of God in my life. I kind of know that he's around. I know that he loves me and he's there if I need him. But I want to suggest this morning that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ means more than that. What it means is that we serve and we know a God who is a real time God. And he reveals himself to us in the moment. He's not just vague, he's not just ethereal out there somewhere. He's a God who lives and moves in real time. He's a God who is with us and who has something to say to us in the moment of wherever we may find ourselves. And when we consult Him in the moment, then He is able to lead us according to His will. He's able to lead us according to what He knows and what He wants to do and what He knows is best for us. As Romans 12 says, that His will, it is good. It is pleasing. It's perfect. It's just what we need. And not only is His will that way, but His heart toward us is the same. He wants to share with us 
in that moment of what we need, what we need to do, the decisions that we need to make. You know, there's a lot of talk about in our culture these past many years. But when you look in the Word of God, you will see that nobody ever got a five-year plan. We like those ideas, five-year plan, three-year plan, break it down, strategize, set your goals, off you go. You don't find that in the Word of God. Not as a bad thing, but we don't see that with God's interaction with people. For example, in Genesis 37, when, when Joseph has this dream, he has this dream that one day there's, you know, I'm going to experience wealth and power and influence. That was wonderful. Joseph was so excited about that that he even told his brothers. Can you imagine telling your siblings, God, show me one day you're going to bow down to me. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine all the brothers going, wow, that rocks. That's, that's no, they were very jealous, very upset. But see, what Joseph didn't understand, he saw the vision. He saw kind of a general picture of what God wanted to do. But he didn't see the pit. He didn't see the prison. But one day, he got to that place that God had called him. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that when God called Abraham to go to a land that he would show him to leave everybody and everything behind, the Bible says that Abraham went without knowing where he was going. You see, the reality is yesterday no longer exists. Right? The devil always tried to drag us back there. But it doesn't exist anymore. Tomorrow doesn't exist. There's only one day that exists. What is it? It's today. It's today. And what the enemy will always try to do to rob us from today, he'll either try to get us to think about the good old days, dead, D-A-Z-E, you know, the good old days. Because you look back, you can always put your own twist on it, you know. Or else they'll get you to worry about tomorrow. But whatever you do, don't focus on the gift of this day that you have before you. But that's why God's will for you and me, I believe, is first and foremost present tense. It's a present tense concern. Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has its own troubles. So just focus on today. And I believe what Jesus wants us to understand is that we can have confidence as we walk with Him that He is with us, that He takes care of our tomorrows, He knows what's ahead, so He can prepare us for those days when things may come our way. But His primary focus for us is our relationship with Him today. What are we doing today in our walk with the Lord? We've posed this question over the years different times, but, but just think of it this morning. If you knew that 2018 was your last year to live, would you live any differently today or in the coming days than you did over 2017? You see, I, I think the sad reality for many of us who profess to be followers of Christ. And it doesn't mean we're not saved, we're not going to heaven, but as far as laying hold of the kingdom today, I think that if we're honest, in the eyes of Jesus, most of us have to admit that we really give ourselves to a lot of silly things. We really settle for a, a very shallow, wasted life oftentimes. We oftentimes kind of move through our days with always looking at something else ahead or wanting to get through this day, and we don't lay hold of the day that God has given to us. 
Daniel the prophet said of King Belshazzar in Daniel 5, you've been weighed on the balance and you don't measure up. And I wonder sometimes if we allow the Lord to put us on the scale to see what he sees, what will we see? When we look at the things that make up our life, the things that occupy our heart, our mind, our time, our agendas, our pursuits, those things that we hold as so important, we can stack them all beside us, but I wonder on God's scale, would God say, hey, I'm proud of you. There's a lot of weight to your life. There's a lot of substance and meaning. Or would the Lord just kind of look at us in disappointment and say, why are you pursuing that? Why are you looking for your identity in that? Why are you chasing after that? Why are you willing to invest the next six months or 12 months in that? It's not important. We always tend to be distracted by those things that are ahead of us. You know, we hear stories all the time of lives that have been tragically cut short, a lot of times either through sickness or maybe some kind of accident. Yet the Bible says in Job 14 that God is the one who decides the length of our days. Our times are in His hand. So in other words, whatever may look like to us, there is no life that is cut short. There is simply a life that has lived the number of days that God has already set out for that life, according to the Scriptures. And so as heartbreaking as it may be, the greatest tragedy is not the life that has not been lived for as long as we think it should be lived. And according to the Scriptures, the greatest uh, tragedy is the life that's been wasted is the life that's given itself to things that really aren't important. Because even the most disciplined, industrious, goal-oriented life can, at the end of the day, be a wasted life. In God's eyes. I think it was John Maxwell who said a number of years ago, he said so many people live their entire lives just trying to climb the ladder. And when they get to the top, they realize the whole time it's been leaning against the wrong wall. And that can be so true of us. We can have wonderful pursuits, good pursuits, but they're not God's pursuits. Psalm 90 records the prayer of Moses in which he asked the Lord in verse 12. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days. Our days. That we might get a heart of wisdom. I'm not suggesting that we we don't, as followers of Christ, be disciplined. That we don't have goals. It's not about that. But the point is that there are countless pursuits that we can give our time to and our attention to that really make little to no impact in the larger picture because they're not what God's calling us to. Again, they can be good goals, but they're not the goals that God has. And when we stand before the Lord, that Scripture says, as Paul says, don't you know, all of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And the things the Holy Spirit would speak to us are things that bring a fruitfulness in this life, but also enable us to stand before the Lord one day totally unashamed. You know, it's possible as a follower of Jesus Christ to actually live life looking forward to the judgment seat. Not fearing it. Not being worried about it. But saying, I can't wait. I can't wait. Because I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. I know I'm giving myself to the things that are important to God. I know He's using me to touch lives for eternal purposes. That's my focus. I'm kingdom focused. And I know when I stand before the Lord, I will not be ashamed. Because I'm walking with Him today. I know His love today. I know His presence today. My passion is, Lord, use me today. And because it is, John says, love drives out all fear of judgment. And I actually look forward. Don't you look forward to, if you know you're doing a job right at work, or you know whatever you're doing, what your wife told you to do, 
You know, you're just looking forward to hearing those words. Thank you. Well done. Because you know that your priorities are right. I said earlier that the only day that really exists is today. And so as we look at 2018, as we look at a new year, I want to remind us that God's will for us, it is a present tense reality. And the key to not wasting your life, the key to not wasting your year, is don't waste today. Don't waste today. I think most of us know by experience that a lot of New Year's resolutions really only last more than a few months. And for those of you who go to the gym, you know that you might as well stay away in January. It's full. You can probably safely go back around the third or fourth week of January, but for the first couple of weeks, there's not going to be a whole lot of time on the machines. The place is full. You might say, well, Paul, if, if, if the New Year's resolutions don't last very long, should we not do them? No, that's not the issue. Don't give up on resolutions. Notice in this passage, if you read the, uh, 1 Chronicles 14 later, it says that when David defeated the Philistines that day, he named the place where he won that battle baal Pirazim, which means the Lord burst through. I thought that was interesting. When he won the victory, he called this place. When he won the victory, because he had taken time to consult the Lord in each decision, he named this place Breakthrough. The Lord breaks through. And friends, that's what the resolve of the Holy Spirit will do for you. Can I say that again? That's what the resolve of the Holy Spirit will do for you. What I mean is that the Lord has resolutions. The Lord has determinations. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He knows every moment of our lives. The Lord has a plan for each of us daily that He wants us to walk in, that He wants to share with us. He is resolved, but you will never know His resolve for you if you presume to know for yourself what you want to do. If you presume to know for yourself what you will give yourself to in 2018. You may fill your year. You might even enjoy some things through the year. But you will never know the breakthrough. You will never know the bursting forth of the realization of God things that He has for you. Things that He's laying upon your heart. I want to encourage you through this day and tonight, if it is your tradition, to jot down a few things, if you haven't done so already, of your resolutions for the new year. I want to encourage you. If you have not prayed about it, rip it up. Don't waste your time. I don't care if it has to do with your weight, with your relationships, with discipline, whatever it may be. I encourage you to get a fresh, clean piece of paper and just to go before the Lord in a few minutes and say, Lord, what would you have me give myself to? Today. What would you have me give myself to today? I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know that the safest place to be is to be right with God today. Hear me, friends. Don't dictate your year to God. Oh, God, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel like doing, and I, and I hope you'll give me power to do it. Don't dictate your year to God. Don't even dedicate your year to God. Because it's just, there's just too much stuff out there. You don't know what's coming your way. You don't know what you're going to be facing in the year ahead. Don't bother wasting your time. 
What you can do is you can dedicate each day of the year as it comes. You can make a determination today that every single day, every new day, I'm going to say, Lord, I give this day to you. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's coming down the pike. There's a whole lot of stuff. And by the way, if you're watching the news, I know we get rocked to sleep because things change so gradually. But enormous things are happening around the world today. But always remember this. No matter what you see on the news, the world is not falling apart. It's falling in place. There's a big difference. God is in control. And God will always work in the heart of His children who come to Him each day and surrender and say, Lord, I don't even know what the next 24 hours holds, but I want to walk with You. I give You this day. That's why Jesus prayed, right? Listen, people, pray. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. That beautiful old song, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking, just one day at a time. I want to walk in this day with purpose, with a sense of direction of what you are doing. The Lord can give us goals. The Lord can give us things to work on. But he says, I still want you to work on it one day at a time. And I want you to work on the things that I'm laying upon your heart and not the pursuits the enemy would use to distract you from really what is important. When you read the story, one of the things you see is that if you want to defeat the Philistines today, then you have to have the king's strategy today. You've got to have God's strategy today. I close with this. The missionary Jim Elliott once said this. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Always does. Always does. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your year. Don't waste today. Make today count. It's said that the best predictor of future behavior is present behavior. And the secret to getting ahead is getting started. And so if I can give you one resolution that I would suggest to get you started in 2018, it is simply this. Resolve to give God each day as it comes. That's the only resolution I would offer you this morning. Resolve to give to God each day as it comes. Resolve to talk to God each day. Resolve to trust God each day. I just love the way the Lord says, it just breaks it down for us because He knows you know, where the enemy can work. He knows how confusion and distractions come in our life. He says, listen, listen, keep it, just keep it simple. Just, just take today and resolve that every single day you're going to say, Lord, I give you today. What would you do today? Use me today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we woke up this year every single morning and instead of our first thought being, what do I need? Our first thought would be, Lord, how am I needed? Where am I needed? What are you doing today? Because you see, if I know the Lord, He's already promised to provide my every need. He's saying, can, can you get your eyes off that stuff? I promise to take care of you. What I want you to ask is, where are you needed? Lord, what would you have me do today? What would you say to me today? Spend a bit of time with the Lord. I might as well announce it this morning, but uh, for those who are part of Glad Tidings, if you aren't, you're certainly more welcome to do it as well. Uh, but if you're part of the church family, we encourage you every single year to find a Bible reading plan. We use the Bible app here at Glad Tidings. There are two or three different ones. I've been using Nikki Gumbel. Uh, you'll find different ones that you may have, may have preference of. But find a Bible app. Find a Bible reading plan 
and get into the Word of God. Do you realize that an average pace of reading the Scriptures, just like you read a book, how many folks here like reading? Hey, I can't stand it. I'm not a reader. I read, and I force myself to read, and I, yes, I like reading the Bible, but I'm not a reader by nature. But you know what I've found? You can read three chapters in about 10 minutes. Who of us doesn't have 10 minutes? Imagine how much you could read of God's Word in just one Netflix series. In fact, studies show that you, if you read the Bible at just a regular pace, you can read the entire Bible from cover to cover in just 72 hours. That's all it takes. In just a casual reading, the average believer could actually read through God's Word three or four times a year. But just 10 minutes a day will get you through the Word of God in the year. Isn't that wonderful? Just, just 10 minutes a day. And what you discover is that if you get in the habit of reading God's Word, just those 10 minutes a day, there will be times through the day that you just open God's Word and you'll just read large portions because you're actually enjoying it. And the Lord is speaking to you. He's talking to you. He's guiding you. And so once again, I want to encourage you this morning to resolve that you're going to take it a day at a time. Lord, I'm going to trust you a day at a time. I'm going to talk to you a day at a time. I'm going to walk with you one day at a time. So if the enemy is here this morning and he's dumping on you because you've got regrets from the past, you can say, enemy, yesterday doesn't exist. It's gone. It's gone. And if the stuff the Lord wants to deal with, he'll deal with me today. Tomorrow, I'm not going to fret about that. The Lord's promised to take care of my tomorrows, but I'm going to give the Lord today. The future comes at you one day at a time. Amen? Lord, today, today, give me today my daily bread, everything that I need, and I'll use it, Lord, to walk with you. Amen. God bless you. Will you bow your heads with me? We're going to ask the musicians to come, and as they do, I'm also going to ask the ministry team in a moment when we stand just to join us. We want to give you opportunity if you're here this morning and you just want to receive prayer. It may just be something totally unrelated to this morning's message. It may be in your heart you just say, you know what, I've got a resolution. I just want someone to pray with me and agree with me. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't, then you know you haven't. And I want to invite you this morning to begin this new year walking into the future hand in hand in a relationship with Jesus Christ who's come to forgive you of your sins if you'll repent and acknowledge your need for him, your need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, forgive me for living life on my terms. I know it doesn't work. I know I'm living so below my potential for what you've made me for. I want you to come and forgive me and cleanse me and be Lord of my life. If that's your heart's desire, I want to invite you as we dismiss as well just to come for a moment and let one of these people around the front just pray with you and step into the new year with a relationship with the God who made you and has a wonderful plan for you. It's not always easy, but it is wonderful and it's full of life. Can we stand together? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you have not made our walk with you complicated. I thank you, Lord, that you... Reveal your will to us. We are your friends, you said, Lord, not just your servants. We're your friends, and you reveal your plan to us. And I pray for each one this morning, Lord, that there just be a fresh determination to give you each day, to live each day to the full, and, Lord, just to leave the results with you. And so, Lord, this morning I pray by your Holy Spirit, guide us as we think today or tonight or the next couple of days of, of things that we feel to give ourselves to, I pray, Father, protect us from foolish pursuits, time-wasting pursuits, vain pursuits, oh God, that are the measure of our culture. I pray for Holy Spirit pursuits. I pray for a pursuit for you. 
a pursuit, O God, for ministering in your name, a pursuit, O God, to be soul winners, a pursuit, O God, to be alive to you like never before. I pray, O God, that all of our goals, all of our goals would be God-directed and pleasing to you. And Lord, we know if we will, it would be so much more fruitful than anything that we could plan. So Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.